Welcome to the Everyday Gospel Podcast, conversations with individuals who are living out their callings beyond the four walls of the church and discovering how to embody the gospel of Jesus in their everyday life. so excited you've decided to listen to this episode on our LGBTQ plus series on the Everyday Gospel podcast. Before you begin, we did want to give you a brief warning that some material discussed may be triggering or sensitive to some listeners. This episode includes mentions of depression, anxiety, non-affirming theological beliefs, intrusive thoughts, self-deprecation, and other sensitive topics. Please take any necessary steps to ensure you remain safe and self-aware during this time. Thanks for listening, and remember, you are deeply loved by God. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Gospel Podcast. My name's Sarah, um, if you didn't realize this wasn't Derek, and today we're going to do something a little different. Usually Derek and I are on the same side of the mic talking to someone else, but today we're going to flip the script a little bit and I'm going to be interviewing Derek. So, Derek, how are you today? (laughs) I'm doing awesome, actually. It's a good day. Yeah. Mm, Good. Glad to hear it. Um, So... Gosh, this is just so different. I'm not used I know, to it. I know. I'm stoked about it, though. I am, too. I'm I'm really excited that you're opening up in this way to mm. us. Um, if you didn't figure it out from the title, friends, this is our LGBTQ series. And Derek is going to talk to us about his journey in that. Um, so I guess, first of all, I guess I, we all sort of know what you do, Derek. But in your own words, tell us what you do for yeah, a living. Yeah, so... Um, my primary thing that I do is I am the executive director and campus minister for Campus to City Wesley Foundation, and uh, that is the joy of my life, uh, to serve and lead college-age young adults, and uh, it's a very special time of their lives, and I have loved it. I continue to love it, and I'm going into my 18th year of being in ministry to college age young adults in August. So I've been doing this a hot years old. I know, like um, I'm excited. Uh, So yeah, uh, that's my primary thing. I do a a lot of other things for the United Methodist Church as well. Um, That's who I work for sort of on paper. Um, But primarily that is campus ministry. And then I am a part-time beer tender at Intuition Ale Works, which simply means that I pour beer and a little bit of wine, but I don't mix drinks. I know a lot of, a lot, relatively a lot more about beer than I do wine. And again, I don't do mixed drinks, but I've really loved working at Intuition as well. Um, Some of my favorite people in the world there um, that I've worked with. So that's my... That's my work life. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And and what about your personal life? Yeah. So uh, I'll just we'll just dive right in because we know what this series is about. And uh, if I'm going to talk about honestly talk about my journey around the issues uh, surrounding LGBTQ, um, I should start here. So when I was four, there are three things that I knew. And I couldn't have articulated them at four, but these are core understandings of who I am and who I've always known myself to be. And the first thing I knew since I was four was that Jesus loved me. Um, I, 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 I cannot imagine a day that um, I didn't have this sense, even if it was a small sense. Um, I cannot imagine a day that I was not aware of the love of Jesus and his pursuing grace towards mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is from four, I knew I wanted to be a husband and a father, which is quite odd since I am on my way to 40 and I'm definitely not anybody's husband. <laughs> and while sometimes people joke around and call me dad, um, that's just a joke. <laughs> I am nobody's dad. Um, and so that's its own story and its own part of the journey as well. Um, but the third piece um, it's probably the one that's most relevant to this conversation. Since I was four, I have known that I have had an attraction to men. And that is um, as much a part of my journey as the other two things. And um, I have spent the majority of my life working with that, wrestling with that, trying to ignore that, uh, coming to terms with it, uh, thinking I can uh, integrated without being uh, public about it and mm -hmm. now at the place of being honest about it with people um, and I usually am quite articulate when it comes to a lot of things this is uh, you know the first time I've said a lot of this out loud beyond my inner circles mm -hmm. um, and so um, I'm taking some true courage to do it uh, but it's something that I feel like I need to do so yes I identify on uh, the LGBTQ spectrum um, gay is often not a term that I use I usually just say I'm attracted to dudes um, when I'm talking to someone honestly uh, but it might be easier for people to just hear me say, Derek is a gay man. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all of that honesty and vulnerability and like the boldness and courage to mm. say all that out loud mm. where people outside of the inner circle can hear it. Yeah. So how, how has that journey of like claiming that intersected with your faith journey yeah so my early years like uh it, it wasn't so much a thing i i it i've explained it like this it's like a piece of furniture in your in your room mm -hmm. that's covered with clothes and you can't really see the furniture because it's covered with clothes um and so in some respects you can kind of ignore it mm. uh but it's still there <laughs> And uh, you take the clothes off, it'll be there. Um, and if you bump into it, it definitely is there. And so in my early years, like before I was 11, it was something, again, that I knew, couldn't put words around it, but I definitely knew that I appreciated being around men more than being around women. Don't get me wrong. Whitney Houston was definitely <laughs> someone I wanted to marry. And yes, I did figure out how I was going to even like make that happen when I was seven. <laughs> but it coexisted with this, this sense that um, I was more attracted to men. Uh, but again, um, thank God. I was <laughs> and it, there was nothing to do with that. It just was something back there um, in my mind. When I uh, turned 12, what was in the back of my mind came to the front of my mind mm. and I began to realize that something was really different. And I would say back, I would have said back then wrong mm -hmm. with me. And because of the way that I was raised and I had an amazing family um, raised in a ministry family, but I, I cannot say that there's a ton of like baggage that I've got from that. Um, the way that I was raised uh, with ink, uh, um, my parents are awesome and super supportive. My great grandmother um, gave me so many opportunities. Uh, and I started reading scripture when I was six and uh, diving deeply into scripture. And so by the time I was 12, I knew what being attracted to the same sex meant. Mm -hmm. And at least for the world that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And so I, as a teenager, felt like a walking abomination. And um, mm. and I know I'm, I probably should have given a trigger warning. I'm sorry. We'll um, put one at the beginning. It'll yeah. Be um, but uh, I did. That's how I felt. And I felt that because this was something that I never asked for, something that was sort of always there, mm -hmm. that Jesus had to know. And so for me, there was this huge dissonance between um, knowing this thing about me and yet knowing 
a very specific interpretation of what that might mean. And I just wondered if maybe, and again, this is a lot, but I wondered if Jesus created me to ultimately reject me. And so that threw me into uh, some adolescent depression Mm -hmm. that lasted about five years from seventh grade to 11th grade. And um, that entire time um, I was doing everything I could to keep an exterior um, of happiness and an exterior that uh, everything was fine with me. Cause at that time, um, and if you know anything about an Enneagram five, this will, make a lot of sense I I didn't want to be a needy person Mm -hmm. and I didn't want anyone to think that what I was going through was their fault Mm. there was so much happening in my family during my teenage years and honestly the the adults in my family were doing so much to try to create a great life for me and my siblings that I just didn't want them to think that this was something they had done. I didn't Mm -hmm. think it had anything to do with them, quite honestly, and I still don't for that matter. Um, For me, this was between me and Jesus and something that Jesus knew and didn't fix early enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really worked hard to keep an exterior. I was still pretty strong in church life, um, doing a lot of stuff in school as well. Uh, But then I'd come home, I'd go up to my room, and I would uh, crawl into bed at like 5 p.m., pull the covers over and let my brain sort of just descend into this really dark space. And that kind of became my normal ritual when I came home from school or from church or from wherever. Uh, And in the midst of those sort of like uh, negative cycles in my brain Mm -hmm. was this uh, small but deliberate voice that kept saying, oh my gosh, I love you. I th- you mm-hmm. are the apple of my eye. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work all this out for your good. And I had a clue pretty early on that that was Jesus mm-hmm. in the middle of all of this. Mm-hmm. And I just figured, okay, that's beautiful. It's probably residue from <laughs> reading scripture since you were six <laughs> and <laughs> being in church since you were four and singing yeah. all these songs about God's love. And yeah. At some point, that voice is going to have to go away because clearly, how could God love someone like me? Mm. Uh, But kept going. And um, Jesus never stopped pursuing me. And I'll tell you, it's one of the reasons why I'm still a follower of Jesus today, because um, he didn't stop pursuing me in in seasons where I would sometimes even say, just quit, like, get away from me. Like, he just wouldn't. He kept coming after me and not um, not abrasively, not aggressively, but definitely intently. And it was beautiful. And, and, I, and while I would never want to go back through that season again, and I would never wish that on people to go through a season like that, I cannot imagine who I'd be without that season. I learned to hear Jesus's voice and to distinguish his voice from mine in that season. Mm. So the way that I wanted the story to end is I would come out of that season of depression and no longer be attracted to men. That's what I would want. And that's not what happened. Um, I got went into my 20s and still trying to figure out what am I going to do with this? I um, come through that depression, depression period. Um, and while there are times that I still kind of like um, I'm still prone to some depression. It's definitely not what it was when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of a dark individual anyway. And so what's my just normal melancholy of just wanting to be alone and <laughs> in a dark house? And what's yeah. like depression is sometimes there's a thin line there. Um, but my 20s, um, I just figured out, I, I thought, you know what, if uh, I could structure my life in such a way that all I was doing was church life. All I was doing was things in church related to Jesus, related to scripture. If that's how I could structure my life and structure it in such a way that I would never be around um, anything that would remind me of these attractions. And if I was lucky, I'd find a girl who would want to marry me and I'd just figure that out, Mm -hmm. um, then, then I'd be fine. And so I 
poured myself into ministry in a way that I was not raised to. Um, I structured my life. I mean, yes, I grew up in a context where we would go to church sometimes four or more days a week, and that would be an easy week for us sometimes. I threw myself into church life. I was a part of a, a growing church plant called Crossroad United Methodist, and um, I had been brought on staff at 19, and um, this is where I began my ministry to college-age young adults through their college ministry called Access to 18, and I just started throwing myself in there and, and, and literally giving my whole life to it. Now, I wanted to, felt called to do it, but there was some other motivations underneath it too, as mm-hmm. there always is, right? Mm-hmm. And the motivation was populate my life with as much as I could, so this could not be an issue. And I just thought that if I worked hard enough, this would either go away or it would just lie dormant. Um, I wish someone would have told me about uh, that thing that happens when you meet someone and you realize you like them. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody told me that that could like... (laughs) mess up your desire to um just things a little yeah i mean it, it did it complicated things uh because yeah humans like people <laughs> mm-hmm. um and yeah so that was my 20s work as hard as i could and that's why i was getting close to my 30s and i'm almost done because i'm about to turn 40 so i don't have much more to say on this subject um but as i was uh going into my 30s uh this hadn't gone away um, I had tried to date a few women uh, who were incredible. And ultimately, there really did feel like a bit of a lie that mm-hmm. I was living. Because I wasn't at the place of telling them this truth. And yet, uh, as my therapist says now, uh, you can't be self-protective and loved at the same time. And I wasn't allowing myself to be fully loved because I wasn't allowing myself to be fully known. Mm. Um, and that wasn't just in you know uh, romantic, committed relationships, but that was just in general. I wasn't allowing people to fully know me and without being fully known, you can't experience love. Mm. So as I was going into my 30s, I made a couple of decisions. Um, one, I was going to continue to just be a workaholic <laughs> and um, just structure my life as much as I could around the mission of Jesus in the hopes that I, w- I no longer was, was praying the gay away, but I just kind of came to this place like nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to know this detail about me, except for people who work closest to me. And so we started CCW, and after I realized that CCW was going to actually exist <laughs> for a little bit, um, I made sure that I started telling um, those who worked with me full-time uh, who they were working with mm-hmm. um, as a point of accountability, but also these were some of the closest people to me, and so I wanted them to know. There were some other folks, close friends that I told as well, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely framed those confessions and revelations as a not a big deal, never really going to go public with this thing, don't worry about it. And I'd also kind of come to the conclusion that I was going to be single for for my life mm. because I just couldn't see how I could make a relationship work. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not that podcast, but remember, the second thing I knew from four was that I wanted to be a husband and a father. Yeah. So to walk into my 30s and to... Uh, essentially say no to that which not really saying yes to it right now either but that was definitely harder than I thought it was going to be yeah um pretty soon uh in my early 30s I developed uh anxiety Mm -hmm. and uh high blood pressure and me and my doctor, we spent so many uh, appointments trying to think through, like, which caused what? Did the high blood pressure cause anxiety? Did the anxiety cause the high blood pressure? Or are they just two different things? I personally feel like those two things that I'm still, you know, working with and regulating and taking medication for mm-hmm. 
we're tied to a lot of this inner inner stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going on. I'm almost done here. No, um, no tell your story. But uh, some things happened as I went through my 30s that, you know, the anxiety and high blood pressure, my grandfather passing, um, and some very interesting encounters with Jesus mm-hmm. that brought me to a place that by the time we got to the end of 2016, I felt like, and I could not ignore it, I felt like Jesus was asking me to come out publicly. And of, of most things I didn't want to be in this world was a spokesperson for gay Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> and not that I could, not that I was, not that I would be. Um, and so don't, don't, nobody think that I think that much of myself, please don't. Um, I just knew that people came, would, would ask me a, about a lot of things related mm-hmm. to following Jesus and being a campus minister um, and being trusted by a lot of people, right? Um, but I was not here for, for that kind of role. I do a lot of things for Jesus. Wasn't ready to sign up for that. Mm. But, you know, Jesus kind of is relentless in a lot of things. I don't know if he's relentless in everything, but he's definitely relentless in a lot of things. Yeah. That was one of the things. And so, um, again, into 2016, I couldn't ignore it. And so I, I did begin to test him a bit. I, did, I, I began to test Jesus by telling some people and knowing that if I told those those folks um, and they reacted in a certain way, that would like be a sign to me. It's like, that wasn't Jesus. That was me. And we can go back to the other plan. And yeah, maybe my high blood pressure and anxiety is related to all this, but I'll be okay. Um, but uh, every test that I gave Jesus to see if this really was him, um, he uh, exceeded my expectations in, uh, what I thought he would do, um, down to telling my boss, Jay Therrell in, uh, July of 2019. I sat down with him at our annual meeting and I was like, I need to tell you something. And, uh, and Jay was so great. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm indebted to him um, in the way that he has continued to support me and protect me, um, as I have prepared myself for this moment. Mm-hmm. But that was really the thing that was like, well, if Jay is like, Hey man, might want to rethink that campus ministry thing. <laughs> and that was going to be like a huge sign. And that's so not what he did mm-hmm. at all. Um, I'm still in campus ministry, at least at the time of this recording. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, here we are. Um, I'm about a, uh, less than two months. Uh, oh, no, almost two months to my 40th birthday. And here we are. I am allowing the world to know me. To know the person that um, I've always been, and uh, I've worked really hard to be as consistent as I could in my ethics and in my teaching and preaching and and my walk and witness. Um, I'm sure that there's a message out there that I'm going to regret, and there's a blog post out there that I'm like, oh, well, why did I say that? I'm sure. I'm sure I got a tweet out there somewhere too. Um, and I'm sure somebody's going to find it. Uh, but here we are. Um, yeah. yeah. This is this is the truth. This is my truth. So. And thank you for sharing that. With Sorry, that was us. long. It's your story. Mm. It's your truth. It can be as long as it needs to be. Mm. Thanks. I'm just, I'm, I'm so grateful that you're getting to say your truth. Finally. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Everyday Gospel Podcast. We hope you're enjoying it. If you'd like to hear the students' thoughts on this podcast, consider joining us at patreon.com slash ccw and giving it at least the $5 a month level. On Patreon, we provide exclusive content for patrons, including the student discussion portion of the Everyday Gospel podcast. We hope you'll consider giving, and thank you for listening.
as usual, I'm just so honored to be your friend and to work for you. And I, I remember, because obviously you told me all, some of this prior to this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I got news for you. <laughs> um, but we were having a discussion at one point and you said, and I'm probably going to butcher your phrasing, so feel free to correct me on it. Cool. Um, you said something to the effect of, I'm still me. This is just a part of who I am. Mm. And you didn't seem to want this to be the thing you were known for. You wanted to be Derek, who happens to like men. Mm-hmm. Not that guy, Derek, the one who likes men. Yeah. And I, I just... I wonder if you want to speak to how that has impacted your work and the way you're doing this. Yeah, and yeah. So the thing is, and this is also true, who I'm attracted to is actually not the most interesting thing about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that that may be surprising to some folks who are hearing this for the first time, but it really isn't. Um, and some of that is because I'm still single. Now, if that changes at some point like that, it, you know, there, that, that evolves and, and there are more, there's more stuff there. But at this stage, uh, it's actually, there are some things that are actually more surprising about me. And so that's one, like, mm-hmm. I still stand by the the biggest and most interesting and most profound thing about me is that I love Jesus and I am following him with everything that I've got. Um, and he has access to any part of my life that he wants to use, especially now. Um, <laughs> um, and I continue to learn how to give him more, but that is the centerpiece of my life. And so um, if I want to be identified with anyone, it's Jesus. If I want to be identified with anything, it's Jesus. And friends, you need to hear this. The only reason I'm coming out publicly is because I believe Jesus told me to. Mm. And here's my big statement. If Jesus isn't God, this is all pointless for me. Mm. (laughs) I'm grateful for those who have always embraced me and even those who have been supportive as I've been sort of uh, revealing this slowly over the last several months, but uh, and I'm, I'm deeply grateful for that, and I'm grateful for um, a conversation in this denomination that um, is figuring out how to make space for people like me um, to be in ministry and to be them their full selves. I'm grateful for all of that stuff, but I'm only doing this because I believe Jesus is God, and if Jesus isn't God. There may be other things that this will be good for for me to say out loud that I'm I'm a part of the LGBTQ community. But if Jesus isn't God, it it ha- it's literally pointless for me. Mm-hmm. So that's one piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this just isn't the most interesting thing about me. And here's the other thing. And this is raw and real. Here we go. Yes, I'm attracted to men, but not all men. And there are actually some women that I'm attracted to as well. And that's just the complication of life. That's not in the complexity of life. So I just want to be careful. And I'm one of those people that like, I want to be accurate in what I'm trying to say to people. Mm-hmm. And so to, um, you, I don't know if you'll hear me say very often, I'm a gay man, because yes, I'm attracted to men, but not just men and not all men. And I'm, a, I'm also attracted to some women and some of them know it. And most of them don't. <laughs> Whitney Houston being one of them. Um, and uh, there's some other folks out there too. So um, yeah, that. Yeah. So how has that impacted your work within the UMC, particularly mm-hmm. during this time where this mm-hmm. church is trying to figure out how to navigate space for LGBTQ plus individuals? Yeah. And also your work as a campus minister with a lot of students and young people who are discovering themselves and who they are apart from the environments they were raised in. Yeah. I'll start with the UMC and then I'll talk about uh, CCW um, and just campus ministry in general. So it's a weird thing and I've not been able to really explain it as well as I would like, but I think it has a lot to do again. Um, Enneagram 
language helps me kind of put this out there. One mm-hmm. of the qualities of Enneagram five individuals is that um, we tend to be detached mm-hmm. from uh, things happening around us. And there's like some pros and, and a lot of cons, Yeah, <laughs> a lot of cons, but there's a few pros there. And one of the pros is that then we can step into spaces and kind of be objective in those spaces and um, not have a whole lot invested. And in a weird way, and I don't know, I know there's going to be some people that will struggle with what I'm about to say. In our wrestling with LGBTQ inclusion and same gender weddings, I've actually been quite detached from that personally. And I walk into many of these conversations without this thought that folks are talking about me, good or bad. Mm. And again, there's some pros and there are a lot of cons to that. And it could very well be that because I've not been public, that that's how I've arrived in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could very well change on the other side of this. Um, But one of the things I'm grateful for is that I've been able to sit at general conference and sit in these really um, tense discussions around inclusion in our denomination. Mm -hmm. And again, because I've not taken anything personally I can stay at the table stay in the conversation continue to dialogue with people and sometimes things that are super difficult um, and so I've, for me that's been an opportunity to serve it's been an opportunity to um, do what sometimes very few people can do in those kind of uh, environments and so I've been grateful for that and I, I do hope that I can continue to do that uh, mm-hmm. so for me it's just been a opportunity to sit at the table mm-hmm and not and honestly it's not really about me um and it might be but I just i i'm really thinking this is where i segue into my college students um our college students uh just have a different approach to this conversation than many of their parents grandparents um and so a lot of my work in inclusion in the umc has really been for them mm. it's been for our students um, our queer students who um, have discerned a call mm-hmm. and want to live their lives for Jesus, but they don't hear Jesus having an issue with their sexuality mm-hmm. or their gender identity. And I know that that's a lot for some people to fathom, hear, digest, whatever, but that's where they are. And uh, I've just been committed to serving them. And so for me, the part, Part of my service to college students is to make sure there's a church that they can live their full lives in. Mm. One thing that I've not done is uh, I've not told many of my college students for and and honestly, like in this season of uh, going public, many of my students, both past and present, are just now hearing about this for the first time, including Mm. some of my students who identify as queer and on the LGBTQ um, spectrum and um and I I'm aware that some will wonder like why I didn't tell them earlier Mm -hmm. and part of it is I didn't want to create the context where someone would believe that in order for someone to pastor me they had to fully understand my journey Mm -hmm. that to me is is a misunderstanding of pastoral ministry Mm -hmm. pastoral ministry um is the context is where the person who God has asked to have spiritual responsibility for you, the Holy Spirit will give them what they need to pastor you well. They don't have to fully understand your journey. They don't have to have walked every step Mm -hmm. of your journey to be equipped to come alongside you and to encourage your relationship with Jesus. And so I just didn't want to create that kind of um, framework Mm-hmm. And who knows if I was right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure someone's going to text me if they listen to this. Was like, I can't believe you didn't tell me. <laughs> um, oh, and I'll just say I'm listening. Be like, come at me, bro. Come at me. <laughs> come at me, Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sarah, this might be a really long episode. It might be. This might be a cut it's, in you know, cut in half. One, we'll see. We're doing okay. Because you've actually, you've covered a lot and a lot of things. Well, cool. Like a lot of things I would have like probed you deeper on. You were just like ready to be open and honest. I'm ready to tell this part of my story. 
Don't worry, there's still stuff that nobody knows about, but me and Jesus. You're taking off this part of the armor, though. And that's this is the armor that no longer fits. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that statement? Yeah. Um, there should be some blog posts that um, really dive deep into this. Um, but one of the stories in the scripture, and I'm a scripture guy, y'all. Um, I believe that the story of scripture is not just stuff written on pages, but it's our story. And uh, so my habit is to step into the text and to see what the text has to say to me in my life. And one of the stories that I step into is the story of a young man named David who finds himself about to head onto the battlefield. And when you go to battle, at least in, uh, that day um you put on armor mm-hmm. but the armor wasn't designed for david and the armor didn't fit and so it might have been the custom and the tradition it might have been what everybody expected of him um and i imagine that he um put the armor on because it was what it was expected of him if he was going to go on the battlefield but it didn't fit and in order for him to truly step onto that battlefield he just had to be the guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) that God made him. And so he takes off the armor. He still fights, still has to go out there with courage. There's still a risk. There's a risk that he won't win this battle, but he has to go out there as David. Mm -hmm. And uh, incidentally, it's also not the most interesting thing about him. I mean, we talk about David and Goliath a lot, but actually the most interesting thing about David is that like a chapter before he gets anointed to be the next king of Israel and no one knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe his brothers have a clue. I'm not sure if they showed up for that day. But again, like David slaying Goliath is actually not the most interesting thing. Him not wearing the armor is not the most interesting thing. It's just the stuff that everybody saw. But the most interesting stuff is these incredible profound moments where David gets to sense his creator's affirmation. All of that to say, you know me and, and talking about text. I can't I can't oh, just I talk it. I just can't talk about one thing. I gotta like, oh look at all these things. Yes, um, it's one of the beautiful ways you're gifted. Oh, well praise God. So yeah, that's for me it's very similar to that David story of I do believe I've been called to this life of ministry and um, that ministry looks very different in a lot of ways. And um, I'm not even sure how I got here sometimes. <laughs> um, I feel like I was suppo- I was headed in the, the, the path of my life to do a specific thing and that turned into a very different kind of thing um, very quickly sometimes. But when the armor doesn't fit, the armor doesn't fit. And it may have fit at one point but it's way too heavy now. And uh, in order for me to continue to be the person God has asked me to be, I got to take it off. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other really beautiful thing when I think about David is that for all his mistakes and then all his moments of glory and all the in-between pieces, we still hear about how David's heart was after God. Yes. Yes. Right? And, you know, even... Even in, as you navigate this and as we all navigate our lives and make mistakes and do things that are really good, I think you've you've made it very clear that your heart is real still yes, it's, your heart is still really after God and all yeah. this and you're trying to do what God's asking you to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just say I'm not hundred percent sure. <laughs> uh I've I did have a lot of moments where I tested it and um even in the middle of this interview, there's a little small kind of thought in my amygdala that's like, boy, don't you know what you're about to do? Stop. Like, stop this whole thing. <laughs> um, this is faith, man. Um, if if uh, my life holds together on the other side of all of this, it's going to be because of Jesus. And I have not put my faith in a great outcome from all of this. My faith is in Jesus' ability to get me to where I need to be. Mm. My faith is in Jesus' ability to work my life out. Jesus is the one holding my life together. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah. That's <sighs> such faith, man. So, in the midst of your realizing the armor doesn't fit and putting it down, Mm -hmm. how have you seen God at work in the work you are doing during all of this? Like, your role as a campus minister or as a beer tender or as a UMC conference, general conference delegate or many other committees and things you sit on. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yep. Um, you know, it's weird when Paul says, you know, I make my boast in Jesus. I make my boast in the cross. I make my boast in the gospel. Like mm-hmm. I get that. Mm. Cause I, I get that there will be people hearing me tell this story and will begin to wonder like, wait, what? Um, I know that there's even some folks out there that's like, why would you stay in a religion that doesn't allow you to completely be your full self why would you have to even why would you even stay in a space where that's a conversation or a question and I don't know y'all like um I continue to watch Jesus just be active in my life and in my ministry um you know I as I said before I told uh started telling full-time employees Mm -hmm. um a few years ago that this is who they were working with and working for. This is the person who was, who who had the primary uh, role of pastoring them and uh, creating a ministry and uh, unpacking the scriptures and pay, playing the role of amateur theologian often, like because I haven't been to seminary, right? Like, um, and I, in some respects, I wanted to you know, make sure that they had the choice to walk away. The choice to not trust me. And I haven't given every employee that over the full tenure, but the last few years, that is part of what I wanted to do. I wanted them to know that they had a choice to not trust me to do that job. Mm-hmm. I've been so grateful for for the folks that have trusted me, mm-hmm. who've known this and still trusted me to lead them as a minister of the gospel. And I've watched how me telling that story, my story to them, has helped them stay in the scriptures and to stay in the church and to continue following Jesus in the midst of their own deconstruction. One of um, our employees, uh, he, uh, he told me after I told him he sat in his car and he was, I mean, he just like sat in his car for a good 15 minutes, just like, taking it in mm-hmm. and um he's like wow this jesus thing has to be real <laughs> <laughs> and so i i'm excited because um i i hope that the work i've done and the fruit of our work together mm-hmm. as ccw will testify that we never know what God's up to and, and maybe God's doing something that we've never seen before. And maybe it's springing up right in front of us. Maybe the spirit's like, do we perceive it? Here I am. I'm doing a new thing. It's a new day. Um, I love that story in Acts. I believe it's Acts chapter five where Peter and uh, John are about to be, beaten uh because they healed a a beggar um and uh the pharisee i think his name is gamaliel i think says you know if this thing is not of god you know it's not going to go anywhere but if it's of god we don't want to be on the wrong side of it and i leave that question out there Mm -hmm. i'm not going to stand up and say this is definitely of god i'm just not that bold i'm not that proud but I do hope that our fruit and uh, the work that we have done, the witness that we have um, held in campus ministry, I hope that that speaks for me, speaks for us. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So has there then been a time 
and all of us we've talked about like the good things that have come from this has there been a time when your identity as a member of the lgbtq plus community has complicated the work that you are doing no (laughs) and and here's why um this thing's bigger than me Mm. it's just bigger than me i mean jesus is more invested in the lives of our college students than i'll ever be i'm 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 just i'm a servant not just but I'm, i'm a servant and who knows how long I'll be here? Who knows how long I'll be doing this? Mm. I mean, Jesus knows that if he says, hey, it's time to go to Boston. I'm like, okay, I'm out. Let's go. <laughs> he knows that. hot weather. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Jesus knows that I'm here to serve uh, at his pleasure. And, you know, if things happen and he's like, hey, man, it's been fun. Then I'm like, okay, I guess I'll be calling uh Ben and Brad and Bronson over at uh, Intuition and asking Lindsay if she could find me some more hours. <laughs> but, you know, I, it, I've just, I've never let it be the thing because I never felt like Jesus made it the thing. Mm. And that may be, again, one of the more profound things, but Jesus just never seemed to give me an opportunity to let that hold me back from ministry. If anything, Jesus has kind of been like, I called you to sing. I called you to speak. I called you to write. I called you to lead. So get on with it. I have given you the graces, so get up and use them. Yeah. 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 That's. Yeah. So. If if you could say like one thing. To. The church. And their and their work currently on how if when there is full inclusion Mm -hmm. what would you say what do you wish they knew here's what i would say to anyone Mm. and i hope i'm getting to your question Mm. it's funny that i'm the one on the other side of this right now just I want to say that out loud. <laughs> I am not here to convince anybody of anything. I mean, folks in CCW know that I, I'm, I'm not here to tell y'all what to do. I'm here to tell you what's available to you. Mm. And I'll encourage you to do it. But y'all know y'all can do whatever you want to do. And I'm going to be on your team. I'm going to be cheering you on. But I will let you know what's available to you. Mm-hmm. And the same way like I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not the apologist for this there's a lot of people who are called to that I want to invite people to do what they feel like Jesus is asking them to do and so here's the thing don't assume you know what Jesus wants you to do about this conversation Mm. no one should assume that it's a you are supposed to be in a regularly evolving and deepening relationship with Jesus where he is taking you into new season after new season, glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. To assume that what Jesus said to you yesterday is the daily bread for today, I think is a misunderstanding of how this relationship works. And so I invite everyone, wherever they are in this conversation, to spend some time asking Jesus what he's asking of them in this moment, in this day, in regard to those in their sphere of influence and in their communities who identify as LGBTQ+. Mm. And do the thing you hear Jesus tell you to do. Because mm. my deep belief is that when we all do the thing that Jesus tells, do whatever Jesus tells us to do, mm-hmm. things work out. Is it by faith? Absolutely, because we're all still trying to figure out what Jesus is saying. We're all on that journey. We are all still in elementary school of hearing God's voice. And yet, at some point, we have to, by faith, take steps in response to what we believe Jesus is saying. And so I would say to everybody, whether they think that homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching or they believe that uh, 
that we are all in God's family, regardless of how we identify and have in our orientation. All of us need to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Everything that happens to us, good and bad, is Jesus's way of saying, come closer. There is more I want to say to you, more that I want to show you. And if anything that this conversation should be, it should be this huge wake up call that Jesus is like, y'all ain't close enough. (laughs) There is stuff I'm still trying to say to you. There is scripture I'm still trying to unpack for you. There is so much available to you in Christ. Don't leave it on the table. (laughs) Come, come get close enough and hear what I've got to say today. That's what I would say to anyone in this conversation. Wow. Well, if you don't have anything else you want to add. I don't because it's been gone long enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for letting us flip the script today and mm-hmm. talk to you. I, I really appreciate you and all you give and the way you try to just do what God's doing and get on board with what he's doing and asking of you. That's that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Thank you, Sarah. podcast presented by Studio Wesley, the online ministry of Campus to City Wesley Foundation. Special thanks to all our partners, donors, and supporting churches. You can support Campus to City by heading to campustocity.org support or by following us on Patreon. Mm-hmm.